1: I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Bono and & Eisen, and Jeff Mills, and James McDonald. Tonight on Fast, a Friday fade. The S&P 500 pulling back from a record high as investors gear up for a huge slate of earnings in the week ahead. Just look at all the big names reporting. Apple, Tesla, 3M, Facebook. We're going beyond the bottom line to bring you the one key thing to watch when these names report. And later, GameStop won't stop. The stock surging another 51 percent today, but there is big drama surrounding this record run. We'll tell you all about it straight ahead. But we start off with big news out of the White House. President Biden rolling out a new plan to raise the federal minimum wage to at least $15 an hour. But the move could have some major ripple effects on the U.S. economy. We kick things off tonight with Steve Leisman, who's got the details. Steve.
0: Melissa, thanks. Since the first minimum wage was put in place in the 1890s, the issue has been litigated as far as the Supreme Court studied and by academics to a fairly well and like now, debated fiercely by politicians and business channels as well. Here are some of the basic numbers. Total currently earning the minimum wage of seven and a quarter, 1.6 million. That's about 1% of the workforce. Leisure hospitality, by far, 977,000 of those folks in that business. Like A lot of them are waiters and waitresses. Education health services, 149,000, followed by retail trade. And then, of course, the public sector, where a bunch of folks make the minimum wage in there. So far, when researchers go looking for people losing their jobs from minimum wage hikes, they have trouble finding them. Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen says, speaking before the Senate Finance Committee, said Tuesday... There's now a large amount of economics literature on this, and the findings that the job loss is very minimal, if anything. Supporters also argue higher minimum wages will boost spending, adding to growth and reduce the need for government aid to the employed. One researcher found a 10% boost in the minimum wage gives you a 1.1% boost every year in sales. Now, opponents point to Congressional Budget Office report that found raising the minimum to $15 would give some 17 million Americans a raise but could cost or reduce jobs by 1.3 million. That's the median number. About 40% of workers make below $15 an hour, so be a big boost for a lot of folks. Low skilled workers and teenagers could be the most at risk for layoffs. Companies could be motivated to raise prices, cut hours, and automate, which they're motivated to do anyway. Opponents say a strong economy and a tight labor market is the best way to raise wages, but that doesn't always work. Couple facts. Minimum wage does not keep pace with inflation. Wages overall have not kept pace with productivity, and more employees have fewer places to work so they can go down and find a higher wage at another employer. A higher minimum wage, it can help offset the lack of competition for labor in some areas. The question overall, are more workers and therefore the broader economy better off at a higher minimum wage? Melissa, you will continue now like a 120-year debate. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm glad we can do it. Um, We've got a half-hour show tonight, Steve, so we'll do our best. But I've got a quick question for you. You speak to a lot of economists. Sure. So when economists hear about this, do they then plug into their models higher spending, higher economic growth, lower jobs? What What is the input then?
0: Um. It's interesting. I don't know that anybody has done that just yet in terms of it, but, but there is some new research that what I just mentioned that shows there is higher spending linked to, for sure, uh, a minimum wages on a local basis. Um, price increases are another factor that are out there. You have if it's a local business and they're hit by a local increase in in the minimum wage, they may raise their business. But national change, as you know, Melissa, they have national prices. So that's a Mm -hmm. big reason why it may not matter on a local basis if if it's a national change. So they plug a lot of stuff in. There's still a lot of debate about it, but overall, I think the literature so far shows there is not a big employment effect, but they do want to see it done gradually over time.
1: Okay. Steve, thank you. Steve Leisman. Uh, I I think the consensus or the knee-jerk reaction to hearing this, Jeff Mills, would be that it would be negative for corporations, it would eat into margins, it would raise costs and might cause them to to spend more on technology, to replace workers that they have to pay more. We've heard this all before, and yet we saw Target, we saw Walmart go to higher wages, and look where the stocks are now.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and to Steve's point, you know, this has been a 100-plus-year debate, and Without trying to predict what's going to happen, I think there there are a couple of things, at least I think we know for sure right now, in terms of how this is likely to play out. And and maybe just cutting right to the chase, the most important thing is I don't think that this is going to happen, at least this year. Maybe you get past this year and you get some sort of bipartisan agreement uh, to make this happen. But I think right now... There's very little appetite on the Republican side to push something like this through to increase the cost of small business uh, during the pandemic. I think there's this false notion that this is all driven by larger corporations. And the fact of the matter is 50 percent of minimum minimum wage workers are working for companies that employ less than 100 people. So because of that and because of the lack of Republican support, you know, typically you're going to need 60 votes in the Senate to get this through. So that means you need 10 Republicans. Um, That's not going to happen, at least in my opinion. You can try to get it through the budget reconciliation process, so putting it in the next COVID bill, Mm -hmm. so that means you only need 51 votes. Um, I don't think that that's likely to happen either. That reduced threshold of 51 votes, it then narrows the number of items or the kinds of items you can actually put in a bill like that. And talking to our research experts on the policy side, they don't think... The minimum wage fits into a bill like that so i i don't think this is something we have to worry about in the immediate term the very last thing i'll say in terms of things that i think we know today and this is almost outside of the minimum wage discussion but just thinking about wage inflation in general you know earnings are going to be so important to the market this year given mm-hmm. multiples have already expanded so much you know, what happens to margins given possible wage inflation Um, And I think the bottom line is this, we're gonna get to the end of this year. We're still going to have three and a half million more people unemployed than before the peak of the pandemic. So that labor supply demand dynamic, at least in my view, keeps wage inflation tame. So I don't think margins are immediately at risk when thinking about the broad S&P 500.
1: Yeah. Uh, What we have seen, Steve, is many companies investing in technology, which potentially could be perceived as replacing workers. We saw that um, with McDonald's in terms of installing kiosks. So I don't have to order my chicken McNuggets with a person. I can order them uh, through a computer, basically. Is this just going to be a push towards um towards this end i mean a a facilitation of this trend
3: yeah i think so so jeff covered a lot of ground there so i I think you're right i think mcdonald's is a great example of the kiosks any company that can add technology is going to add technology to replace a human being and that was before this debate was even going on obviously not 120 years ago but this was uh this is something that you're starting to see corporations move in front of. But Jeff made a great point. This is about independent businesses, the restaurants that are going out of business on a daily basis. It's not about the corporations. Corporations have deep, deep and, and, and uh, uh, pockets and the ability to stay ahead of this. Mom and pops don't. So when you really look at the effect on the corporation, you know, you, Domino's has really went gangbusters with Technology in, in, a, in a big way for such a long time. I don't know if they can get any deeper, quite frankly, in technology. It was more delivery versus who's working in the kitchen. So I don't think it's going to affect uh, corporations to the bigger event. And, and, you know, I'm always a, a big believer, uh, Melissa, of you can't work around politics or invest around politics. This is something where with President Obama when we tried to invest around the Affordable Health Care Act. All the things that should have went down went up. So I I, I wouldn't start thinking you have to sell these names. They'll make accommodations. And Mm -hmm. to Jeff's point, it might not even happen.
1: What Steve had highlighted in terms of the impact of a higher minimum wage is a 1.1% increase in spending, James. So do you take that and and think, oh, you know what? That's that's probably good news. It's almost like a push-pull because a lot of these big box stores or the quick serve restaurants, they, they might feel the impact of having to pay higher wages, but they could feel the benefit of people having more money to spend at their stores.
4: Right. There's always two sides to the coin. And, you know, I love attempts and initiatives that can close uh, the ever widening wealth gap. But when we look at where this impact is going to take place, individuals who were in the spectrum of the minimum wage category. Now there's going to be excessive competition for those jobs that pay double now. And a lot of individuals are going to get left behind. If you're a small business and you've got to increase this output uh, from literally doubling your cost of labor, uh, you're going to get the best people and you're going to upgrade those people that are in those jobs. I think this is going to displace a lot of people. And it's a really, really tough debate. It's why it's been going on so long. I don't think this is going to increase spending uh, because it isn't that much money. If you're in this category of making $15 an hour, you're probably struggling to make ends meet. And so it's a challenging topic. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bono. And where do you stand on this? And is this something that you you would think about when investing in some of the companies that are not paying $15 an hour minimum at this point?
5: Well, at least on its face. Right. I think it resonates, particularly in this environment, because what you've seen and adding to what everybody else has said, what you've seen is a massive chasm between wage growth and asset growth. And I think that has been even more underscored in this in this COVID environment. With that said, how to play it in the market. I'm looking at names, um, you know, that, that have not experienced that K shape or that upper echelon of the recovery. So names like RCI, TJX, those are in strong uptrends, tend to appeal to, you know, a lower... Um Uh, item costs. And probably, if anything, there will be something in terms of additional revenues to offset some of the margin pressure that you would likely see due to higher wage costs. All
1: right. Well, our next guest says a $15 minimum wage could have major impacts on some of the fast food stocks. Let's bring in Eric Gonzalez, equity research analyst at KeyBank. Eric, great to speak with you. Um, Specifically, I want to focus on some of these at-risk chains. And you say Longhorn, uh, Texas Roadhouse, and Papa John's. How much are they paying right now? And I'm just trying to figure out, you know, back of the envelope, if they went to 15, what would that mean in terms of an increase in cost for them, and possibly a decrease in margins?
6: Hey, uh, thanks, Melissa. It's great to be here. So I think in terms of the chains, if you if you look at on a on a geographic footprint basis, if you were to weight uh, their footprint versus what the state uh, minimum wages are, um, you'll notice that Jack in the Box, I'm um, sorry, Longhorn and Texas Roadhouse and Papa John's you know, those have a specific geographic exposure that may lend itself to a greater delta between its, its blended wage and that $15. But that's not to say that these companies aren't paying above minimum wage in certain instances where there's a where there's a tightness in the labor market. So, you know, I think, I think the bigger uh, issue here is, you know, depending on which stakeholders perspective you're, you're coming from, whether it be full service or quick service, wage inflation is something that restaurant companies have had to deal with for a long time. And, you know, those with heavy exposure to states like California and New York you know, they've largely figured out
1: how to navigate through it. Right. Um, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned geographics because that's going to be important in terms of figuring out what that delta is. In other words, what that difference is between what they're currently paying um, workers at the entry level and what what the federal new minimum wage could be. So it looks like Texas, it looks like the South, Eric, might, might have the greatest delta. Which chains have the most geographic exposure? Is it Longhorn, Texas, and Papa? Because I mean, I think I think as investors, you're trying to figure out what kind of a hit is this going to be to these companies' earnings.
6: You are, but I'd actually I'd actually pose a different um, way of thinking about it. And certainly, those chains, Longhorn Texas, they do have um, you know more exposure to the south and thereby you know a little bit less exposure to to the north or to California. But the but the bigger th- the the more interesting thing here is if you think about the franchise companies, uh, those those franchise businesses like McDonald's and Wendy's um, dying Equity would be another one. You know, those are highly franchised businesses that won't feel the direct impact of a rising wage, wage pressure. Now that, that pressure will be felt by the franchisees, but to the extent that the franchisees pass on those costs, um, that will manifest itself into higher royalties for the owner. Can the
1: franchisees pass on those costs? I mean, could you see a franchise owner of a McDonald's charge more for a Big Mac than another franchise?
6: The larger chains have have uh, scale advantages, and you already mentioned technology on the program earlier, those self-order kiosks, um, different ways of scheduling labor. So there are efficiencies that the large chains can take advantage of. It's the smaller chains, it's the independents that are really gonna struggle to pass on those costs. So, you know, from a, so yeah, McDonald's, I don't see them raising prices by 10, 20% tomorrow, but they could pass on a portion of it and the other, you know, the rest of it, they can they can sort of manage their way through it. Um, And then hopefully take share as some of those independents, you know, if the independents take, uh, try to pass on the full cost of it, then they're at a relative uh, value advantage.
1: Eric, great to get your analysis on this. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Eric Gonzalez of KeyBank. So, Jeff Mills, do you think about any of these restaurant stocks any differently?
2: You know, I think about it kind of as a tale of two stories here. So, one, you have some of the fast food restaurants where I just think generally they're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage just given what they've done over the past 12 months. Uh, and the likely headwinds they face as the economy starts to reopen. Um, You know, I think it was mentioned in one of the key bank uh, research reports, but I do like Darden. That's a name that I've continued to pay attention to in the space. I think casual dining is going to have a little bit of a tailwind as the economy starts to return to normal, as we start to ramp up valuations. They've already done a really good job of controlling costs, so that makes them attractive to me. I like the diversified uh, brands that they have. They're well-known brands. And If you just look at the chart, it's in a really nice, steady uptrend. It's looking like it's going to break out to new all-time highs. Um, and the valuation is pretty attractive at 17 times 2022 earnings. So those are the kind of companies I would want to focus on in the restaurant space.
1: Yeah, it does seem that if you're a believer in the, in the reopening trade, that a casual dining chain would have a little bit more leverage to that. James, where, where do you go within restaurants?
4: I like McDonald's, actually. Um, you know, It's a big corporation with a long history of dealing with economic cycles in our country. Uh, it's a brand that's never going to go anywhere they're ahead of the curve they understand what happening what's happening in the economy uh, and they're going to continue to pivot. They have all the data, they have all the technology, uh, and they have the breadth of understanding of consumer behavior. And so McDonald's would be my pick in this category.
1: All right. Up next, we're going beyond the bottom line, the single most important thing you need to watch from four big companies reporting earnings next week. And later, Game On shares game GameStop soaring as an army of day traders go to battle with one well-known short seller. We'll bring you the full story when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season ramps up next week with big names like Apple, Facebook, and Tesla all set to report, but we're cutting through all the noise and going beyond the bottom line. We task each of our traders to pick one company and the single most important thing investors need to watch when they report. So let's go around the horn. And uh, Steve, you're on Apple. Yep. <laughs> What's the one thing to watch?
3: You, you got to watch service growth or services growth and any, any indication that they can give or any insights they can give there. If you remember, the biggest pushback on Apple was it was a hardware company that was dependent on iPhone sales. It's still 40% of sales. I want to see that services growth jump above $53 billion. That's the reason to buy Apple as a growth company.
1: Yeah, and Jeff, I don't know what you're watching, but Apple is certainly going to be key for the, for the market for the entire tech trade, especially given the monster week tech has shown, big cap tech has shown this week.
2: Yeah, no question. It's key for that. And it's also key for kind of the value growth trade. I think Apple tends to be categorized on either side of the fence. So I would watch that closely. But I totally agree with Steve in the sense that. You know, Apple is trading at a valuation right now uh, that needs to be justified through a certain level of growth. And I think that level of growth ends up being justified through services. So you know investors are going to be laser-focused on that. They want to make sure that that growth trend is intact to justify the valuations that are currently being paid. So I'm in a 100% agreement with, with Steve on that. We continue to hold the stock. I know we've said it a million times. It's a stock you hold, and it's not a stock you trade. So for us, we're, we're still going to hold it through earnings.
1: All right, Facebook's the next big earnings report that we're watching, bondman What is the one thing on your radar.
5: Listen, I'm looking for rhetoric around censorship, free speech, and and how they're going to deal with uh, hateful type of rhetoric. Um, You know, we've seen some account suspensions. And if it wasn't too long ago, first half of 2020, where we had the BLM movement, and we saw small and medium sized businesses kind of pull ad spend. Let's see how they address this situation, which clearly resonates with a much larger group of people. That's what I'm focused on.
1: I mean, after the Capitol riots, James, <laughs> Facebook's got a lot of explaining to do potentially.
4: I tell you what, when Bonneman speaks, I listen. Uh, brilliant analysis there, and I think uh, the sensitivity to the public perception of the business is probably going to be the most impactful uh, 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 facet of how this stock behaves. And I think and swat on. I mean, if they've got to walk a very careful line of growing their uh... ad revenue and getting viewers shove up keeping memberships uh... but when you're that big and you have that many people watching you you've got to be very sensitive to uh...
2: any social disconnect that may come
1: Yep, three m is out on tuesday jeff you're watching this
2: yeah i think i've certainly picked the most boring stock of the bunch here but i do think it's interesting just for from the the sense of the cyclical trade that's going on and this is one name that hasn't really participated hasn't been like a caterpillar of the overall industrial space and i'm looking at the business segment specifically one on the healthcare side, you know, healthcare has been underperforming. They've had a decrease in elective uh, procedures just due to the coronavirus. That's the higher margin business. So I want to look at the margins in that particular area to see what's happened over the past quarter given the virus backdrop. And I also want to look at transportation and electronics because this has been another area that that's been a consistent drag, a significant drag last quarter. Um, And again, this is an area where you've seen margin compression in their business. So if they can get margins up into that 25 to 30 percent range, that could be a big driver of the bottom line. Uh, And I also want to see if they're providing additional guidance, because I think that will not only be telling for 3M, but for the overall economy in general.
1: All right. Finally, as Tesla and uh, James, you're watching, it seems like Tesla's got a lot on the line given the run into this quarter.
4: Well, the most important thing is deliveries and understand Beijing wants 25% of those automobiles out there to be electronic vehicles and they're only at 5% now. Uh, And Tesla so far is doing great. They delivered 495,000 units. In 2020, that was a beat of a $480,000 uh, 480, car delivery target. Um, they released the Model Y last week, and this is a car that's 50 to $70,000 cheaper uh, than the local rivals. Uh, it might be a better car. It has the autopilot feature. Uh, and most importantly here, that growth is going to happen, and Tesla so far is delivering. I want to watch very carefully uh, the pace at which these vehicles get delivered, because that's going to be the arbiter of success
1: for them. All right, up next. Game on or game over? The epic battle breaking out over GameStop. The drama next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of GameStop surging another 51 percent today. The record move driven by a retail rebellion. An army of day traders going to battle against noted short seller Andrew Left, who laid out five reasons why he thinks this stock will go to 20 bucks a share. That commentary is sparking big outrage from shareholders online and prompting Left to release a letter within the last few hours saying he will no longer be commenting on this stock. Left writing he's been harassed by an angry mob, what he calls an angry mob, that has committed multiple crimes, and he's turning information over to the FBI, SEC, and other government agencies. He goes on to write We are investors who put safety and family first. And when we believe this has been compromised, it is our duty. to walk away from a stock Um, this has been a crazy ride for GameStop for sure Steve Grasso and it just took an ugly turn I mean I don't know if you've been on these some of these reddit forums but uh, you know you've got very very fervent commentary going on there
3: this is crazy and and, you know this is the same type of thing where you get these you know cult-like investors that were in tesla or apple if you say if you say anything bad about them yeah. it's it's over for the stock but this is terrible
1: yep okay we'll keep you on, uh, abreast of the developments on this story thanks for watching fast we'll tweet the final trades by the way
4: what's on the horizon for financial markets at pgim it's a question that over 1400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals